Welcome back to the Energy Today podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Roos, and let's get into it. So it has been an interesting couple of weeks over on my end. I apologize for my absence. I actually wrapped up my internship at ConocoPhillips about a couple of weeks ago. So there was a lot of push towards that final presentation that we give to a lot of members of the management team there. Um, so that went really well. Really excited about how that went and how the summer kind of wrapped up. Uh, I was sad to see it end. I got really close with a lot of the interns and we're going to keep in touch, which I think is really cool. I was able to spend some time with my family over the past couple of weeks. I moved back to College Station and I'm actually getting ready to go to Iceland next week on a little family vacation before school starts towards the end of August up here at A&M. So today's episode is a little bit more special than our normal uh, episode where we talk about oil prices and then go into an article. I want to talk about my summer takeaways from my internship, but before then, I'll go in a little bit about oil prices, kind of where things are heading at in the market, looking at markets overall, um, and then kind of narrowing narrowing down into what my takeaways are for the summer. So moving into the oil market, it has also been an interesting couple of weeks. The bulk of the news, if you've been listening to the radio or watching any news or reading newspapers, um, there's so much focus surrounding the Delta variant. And as many know, um, there's a whole debate about, about how contagious the variant is, but regardless, cases are going up. So meaning that it's likely more contagious than the last variant of the coronavirus. So more people are expected and are getting COVID. Uh, and as we've seen, we expect more mask mandates, uh, restrictions, business restrictions, um, things closing more. This is certainly still a possibility. It's not widespread, but it looks like it might be heading that way. I really hope that it's not. I think people are ready for, ready for things to be open. Um, but what this does mean though, is that for markets, there's more weighing on sentiment and there's less, there's likely going to be less demand for oil. If people are driving or flying or conducting transactions less, there's less trucking that has to go on those kinds of activities that might weigh on oil prices going forward. Again, um, it's just a ex- expectation of myself and others in the industry. Um, expectations, of course, always change. Um, that's kind of what I'm thinking going forward, especially around the next six months, um, because actually the oil inventories here in the U.S. are slightly upticking. Um, we saw a rise of 3.6 million barrels for the week into July 30th. So, so still below 6% of, or still below the five-year average by 6%. So still not a drastic change, but over the past, say, five or six episodes, every time I talked about this indicator, it was going down, 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 and down. The inventories were. So the exact cause of this 3.6 million barrel increase in inventories, and again, the inventories kind of represent the supply side of the equation here in the U.S., kind of how much inventory of oil we have on our books, basically. Um, So that's going up, and we can expect a little bit more weighing on sentiment there, and then you combine that with more uh, restrictions, people not driving and consuming uh, oil, gas, those kinds of products more. Um, That could dim the outlook a little bit more going forward. So rig counts, on the other hand, um, kind of rig counts are what's, these active drilling rigs that are producing oil, um, that is currently sitting at 491 and actually rose by six from the past week and did August 6. So it kind of fits it within that story of inventories rising, rig counts rising as well. 
um, that's likely going to be expected. Still not a high level, um, but with this price point of $68 per barrel, um, it's really a safe, really kind of safe time to be producing oil. More uh, acreages will be more profitable because some places are just more expensive to drill due to weather, due to having to get pipelines out there. Um, contracts are just more expensive, those kinds of things. Um, so I don't expect this to reverse. I expect more uh, rate counts to continue to increase, especially as we're sitting around the $68 per barrel range. So overall, looking at this from a high level, there's a lot of focus on the Delta variant and then kind of in the back of people's minds, I know my minds, I think about what's going to come out of OPEC over the next six months to a year as we roll out of the pandemic and as um, those geopolitical tensions kind of flare up or go down and, and what that kind of sits, what, what that shift is like or that mix is like, because we saw the UAE kind of throw a wrench into things the past few weeks um, from my last episode. So maybe that provides a template for other countries going forward. Not really sure, but Delta variant OPEC talks remain a really big focus here. So again, instead of discussing an article now, I want to talk about um what I learned this summer, what I expected going into my internship at ConocoPhillips, um, what I hope to get out of it, and what I ultimately got out of it, and two key takeaways that I'll get to at the end of the internship. So a little background about this company, ConocoPhillips. So they're an American multinational um, hydrocarbon exploration company. Uh, they're headquartered over in the Energy Corridor in Houston, so it's kind of right bordering Katy and Houston. That's actually where I was interning, and they're a very big publicly traded company. Their company trades in the New York Stock Exchange, Stock Exchange. so any big company that you know of that's listed is probably listed in the New York Stock Exchange. Um, they really have a global footprint. They have offices all over the world, U.S., Canada, Europe, Africa, uh, Middle East, and the Asian Pacific. So really offices all over the place, but their headquarters is in Houston. So that's where most of the interns ultimately end up going. And I actually interviewed for this internship back in October of 2020. So the fall of my junior year here at Texas A&M, uh, and I'm getting an undergrad in accounting and then a master's in finance. So I wanted to get a little bit more broad experience into the oil and gas industry, hopefully from the finance perspective. So looking at a couple of expectations that I had going in, so I expected back in, you know, finishing up my year at school back in April, May, um, rolling into June or early May, whenever I started, I expected to certainly learn a lot about the oil and gas industry from the inside, see how the companies like that operate internally, learn the finance side of the business. Because again, at this point, I'd only had one internship at a defense contracting startup over in New Orleans, where I was working primarily in accounting roles. So I really wanted to see what finance looks like in an everyday capacity because you can read about it. You can read a book about it. You can look at stuff online. You can take classes, watch videos uh, about like models, those kinds of things. But I really wanted to see what it looked like from the inside and also wanted to um, know my way around a corporate headquarters, corporate office. I get to know the the flows, the ebbs and flows of that. Uh, and really build a network within ConocoPhillips that can, I can hold on to for the rest of my career. So those are kind of the few, uh, I'm sure I missed a few, but a few of the expectations that I had going into this internship and then moving into what I actually learned, what I got out of it. Um, I really can't speak highly 
uh, highly enough of this company or this internship program. I got way more than I ever could have imagined. And one thing I didn't really realize is that the internship pools from a bunch of different schools, such as A&M, like myself, UT, Baylor, OU, Tech, and you know, all over the place, Tulsa University, just all over the place, especially more on the kind of on the southwest of the U.S. Um, so I was interning with all of these other students who were my exact same age. And I found that kind of at this point in internships and because this is a very big internship, really, really one, uh, one that people want. There was, I think, 111 interns across the company and around 4,000 people applied. So it was very sought after internship. And I found that everyone that I was surrounded with um, from all walks of life that are my, around my same age and that were interning with me all were very, very hard workers, were actually interested in the industry like myself and want to learn a lot, do good work over the summer, uh, make people make people proud for having them. And that's what we all really sought out to do. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily expected that, um, but it was really cool to see that and to be surrounded by that because it kind of shapes your conversations, right? Like we'd be, we'd be talking and you know, people are just excited about what they're doing what they're working on the people that they're talking to and I got really close with all of them it was around 10 people in the finance internship at ConocoPhillips and we'd work all day together um we'd go work out after go to happy hours um Kirby Ice House over in over in the Katy area go to dinners even we actually went to an Astros game too and we got on the on the uh, big screen so that was that was kind of cool. But regardless, we just got really close. I didn't really know if I really expected that. I didn't know that I would make a lot of friends there. I thought we would just be working together, but just kind of an added bonus. And another point that I, that I really learned is that I sort of naively thought I knew a lot about the oil and gas industry from, you know, before that time I was reading a lot about the industry. Like before I got this internship, I was reading a lot about it. Um, getting ready for those interviews, uh, was about to start this podcast. So I interviewed in October, 2020, I started the podcast in November. So I thought that I knew a thing or two. <laughs> and then I got there and I was absolutely blown away by the amount of depth of knowledge and know-how and just intuitiveness of the full-time employees at ConocoPhillips had about the industry, their experience, kind of the broad outlook of, of what they're looking at in the energy transition. Um, they knew so much about how to do their jobs and do their jobs very well. Uh, I realized very quickly that I knew very little compared to my superiors who have had 10, 12, 15 years of experience. So I was, I was like, okay, well, and now I have this whole summer to do just that. So that's what I did. And I began to ask a lot of questions of everybody to everybody in my group. Um, was able to get really comfortable with everybody. I would sit with my boss sometimes and we would just, I would ask him questions that I had regarding my project or, or just the company overall, um, college, those kinds of, those kinds of, those kinds of topics. Um, along those similar lines, because of all of this knowledge that they had and it's just intelligence, I realized that the drilling for oil and gas is such a long, complicated technology heavy process it's not just somebody going into a field and saying hey i want to drill this well here there's just so many groups within a company and so many different people other companies uh, vendors that all have sort of a stake in this process and all fit somewhere along this puzzle puzzle to ultimately drill a well and, pr- and produce it and produce that oil and there's so many safety regulations and considerations to think of 
so many dollars spent. It's so expensive to drill a well, um, but it ends up paying off in the end. But regardless, there's just so much insights and people that go into this process. And I don't think I really expected that. I thought it was just, hey, there's a few people that they just go do go drill the wells and everyone else just kind of does, you know, other corporate um, necessities, right? Other corporate roles. So I was really blown away by that and the sheer cost of actually producing oil and gas and how exact and accurate and careful and environmentally conscious these people were about how they went about this business. Um, and also found that given a healthy price environment, I always talk about oil prices here, so I thought it was really cool to see how it influenced the bottom line of the company. And really, for every dollar price change in oil, there's millions of dollars that are made or lost on that. So life, the lifeblood of the industry really is oil prices. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And that greatly influenced the number of projects that we were taking on, the activity, the everyday lives of all of these people that were working at this company. So I thought, I thought that was really, really interesting. There's just so much that goes into drilling for oil. Another thing that I was really pleasantly surprised about and something I talk about um, and try and broach and head off on the show is that there's there's a real common narrative um, that people that work in the oil and gas industry or support it in whatever way possible want to harm the environment. And I found that this could not have been more false. Uh, I found that the people that I met were just everyday people, people that you would run into at the grocery store or you were in a local church together or in a small group or a club or you golf together, those, those kinds of people, um, that actually really care about the environment. They want a clean future and a better future for their kids. And I remember I was talking to one of the engineers and he was like, yeah, man, I, I just really want a good future for my kids and a clean future for them to grow up. And I don't want to harm the environment. So they take that into consideration in everything that they do. And that's why they're so safe. And there's so many procedures and regulations in place. That way accidents are minimized to the smallest degree. And also uh, people that I talked to were focusing on the energy transition. They weren't trying to fight the energy transition. They're trying to see how ConocoPhillips can fit within that future. And they're not just sitting back. People that I'm talking to, they're not just sitting back and saying, Hey, we're going to let this energy, energy transition pass by. We're ConocoPhillips. We're an oil and gas company. That's all we do. That's really not the case. There's just so many groups and initiatives that are happening and excitement surrounding the energy transition. It's almost like you kind of get this feeling that there's the next best thing is going to happen here. Like things are going to happen here. New projects are going to be taken into, taken into account. And that's why it's such an exciting time around the industry because there's so much change that lies ahead. And that's really interesting because if you're going to be in a company, be in a spot where you can actually make some of this change happen, I think that's really, really cool and, and just historical in my opinion. Um, yeah, so moving on from that, um, there's just a lot of human capital there. So many fresh perspectives. People are really excited about what they do, take a lot of pride in what they do, have a lot of company loyalty. That's one thing I really realized. People go to ConocoPhillips and stay there for 30, 40 years and then retire because you, you can rotate around to different countries, different offices all the time. So it's not like you're just stuck in one one office for the rest of your life. You get to move on and interact with different people and different groups. And I drew a lot of similarities actually to Texas A&M because 
at Texas A&M, you can get involved in things and campus starts to feel really small. You get to feel, meet a lot of people. You get to run into people everywhere. And that was a similar case. I went to lunch with, at Conica Phillips, I went to lunch with one of uh, my boss's boss's boss, actually, and, and he was just waving to people left and right. I had no idea who they were, but because he's been there for so long, he just knew a lot of people, which I think is really cool. And I think whenever you think of the common um, narrative is that, oh, you spend two years at a company and you just move on, do something else. But there's, at least at this company, I don't know if this is oil and gas specific, but there's just a lot of excitement and loyalty to a particular company. I also learned that the importance of working in a team in a corporate environment. I've always played sports growing up, so being in a team has always been something that I've done. Um, but moving into an environment where you're not wearing football pads, you're wearing slacks and a button-up, um, that was just, it was really interesting to see that and to understand the relationships dynam- relationship dynamics there because there's kind of there's two kinds of people there's at that, that work in, in companies, at least from, from my uh, experience is that the first one is that business is business. Uh, there's not, you don't really get to know a lot about somebody. You just work with them. They're very pleasant to work with, but you don't really know, you know, what they do outside of work. Then you have the other, and those are great people. You need those people. They have a role. Everyone has, you know, they have to have them to really get things done and to be sure, you know, everything's on track. You need those people. Then you also have the people that business is business for sure, but they bring their whole self or they're really present in what they, in, in like in their conversations, like they talk about the things that they're doing, the vacations that they're going on, what's going on with their family, their friends, those kinds of things. So there's kind of two kinds of people. So really understanding what kind of person somebody is. My, my, uh, the intern, uh, internship program, uh, coordinator, Jeremy, he actually told me that too, is that you really got to understand, um, who you're dealing with and understanding what their wants and needs are. So that was really interesting. And as an intern, I wanted to understand kind of my role within the group. And that's um, one thing that I did is I tried to really just understand everybody in our team and took the approach of just getting to know people and really wanting to understand them. I think that really went a long way. Um, It made the summer much more enjoyable because it provides texture to kind of everything we do. You know, if you're, if you're in the foxhole with somebody, you'd rather really like them than, than, than that not be the case. Also, uh, I worked in the financial, um, the F financial performance, performance and analysis group, um, at ConocoPhillips. And I had a boss, his name was Tyler Weir. He went to Tulsa University. Uh, he really took me under his wing. I, I wasn't sure what I was expecting from my, um, boss or boss's boss or how that would actually work, but he was always, very present and ready to talk to me. I always had questions because again, I thought I knew something about oil and gas came to, came into the industry and realized there was so much that I needed to learn. So I always asked him questions about the industry, how things actually work, how we make money, his outlook on the industry, his thoughts about the energy transition, um, how you truly make it at a company like ConocoPhillips and, and so many more things, such as life things, college, those kinds of things. So that was really, really refreshing that I was able to have a close working and personal relationship with him. Uh, I thought that was really nice and certainly something that I did not expect going into it. So I might have rambled a bit, but those are just a couple, two, three, four things um, that I learned this summer. I could 
truly go on for hours. I can get into the details of what I've actually was working on. Again, I was working on the finance side of things. Um, I found that things really start start within the finance side of things and things you're like, hey, let's do this project. Well, we have to first run the numbers and be sure that this project will make us uh, a right rate of return and get us over our hurdle rate, those kinds of things. Um, but I can go on and on for hours about that, about those things. And these episodes are only 25, 30 minutes or so. Um, so I want to leave y'all with two key takeaways, kind of my two big points that I learned this summer. Um, one thing that I really take with me wherever I go. So one is that this industry is so complex. There is so many stakeholders, so many companies you never even heard of that are incredibly vital to the industry. There's so much technology that goes on. There's like a perspective to think about here that a lot of companies are tech companies first that also engage in a business line. Right. So that's like oil, like ConocoPhillips is a tech company that engages in oil and gas exploration and production. Um, there's so many different kinds of people that operate within this industry. Um, there's just, it's so fascinating because there's so much that goes into it. So that was kind of the one, the one big takeaway. Other one is that the people that work in the oil and gas industry are no different than you and I. We everyday people really want a, they really want a clean future and want to move with the energy transition, not fighting the energy transition, finding a way for ConocoPhillips in the oil and gas industry to fit within that transition um, and to really play a pivotal role going forward to be the one engaging in the energy energy transition. Whenever you think of that word, you, you want to think about oil and gas companies. So I thought that was really awesome. Um, that is all that I have for today. I different, different, a little bit different of an episode. So there'll be no articles to drop in the show notes. Uh, if you ever want to read more about the industry, oilprice.com is always a really good spot to check out. So thank you for tuning in and I will see you next week.